0: You are listening to the St John's Diamond Creek podcast. This episode presented by Senior Minister Tim Johnson. Today's reading is taken from Matthew 9, verses 35 to 38. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Well, for the last few years, I've tried to start the year with exactly the same pattern. That's right, by being in quarantine. Well, actually, I have been in quarantine for the last two years to start the year, but that's not what I was going to say. No, I try to start the year by going along to a conference on mission. I go along to Summer Under the Sun, which is run by our mission partner, CMS. And it's a great way to start the year by focusing on God's concern for the whole world, that God loves the world, God loves all of the people of every nation in the world, and he wants them to know him and be in relationship with him through his son, Jesus. I find it so helpful to have this vision set before me each January as I think about the year ahead. And we're doing something similar here at St John's in the teaching series that we're starting today. We wanna focus with a series on mission. And we're gonna look at that from Matthew chapter nine and chapter 10 in a series called Sent Out by Jesus. Now in Matthew's gospel, there are five big chunks of teaching where Jesus teaches on different topics. Uh, If you have one of those Bibles where you have the words of Jesus in red, it's really easy to spot these chunks throughout Matthew. The the first of the chunks is the most well-known. That's what's called the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus does a block of teaching in Matthew five to seven. But today we're looking at the second of these big blocks of teaching. It's no accident that there are five of these blocks of teaching In Matthew's gospel, it's part of the way that Matthew has written his biography of Jesus because the Jewish law had five books of the law. The first five books of the Bible, uh, what are called the books of the law or the Torah uh, and written, believed to be written by Moses. And so Matthew is actually presenting Jesus as the new Moses. He's one who teaches with authority from God with these five blocks of teaching. And the section that we're looking at in this series from Matthew 9 and 10 has a narrative introduction and then the teaching of Jesus. And the topic is mission. You see that in the narrative section that we looked at, uh, just had read today. Uh, And then Jesus will go on to expand about mission. So we want to think this about this together as a church, as we start the new year. So I'd love you to grab your Bibles and have a look at Matthew chapter 9, starting at verse 35. Here's what we read. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. Now, if we'd been reading through Matthew's gospel from the start, we've we've seen that Jesus has been doing this. He's been traveling around, he's been teaching, and he's been healing people. Uh, The villages, the towns and villages that are spoken about here are in Galilee, Jesus' home region where he's traveling around. And as he travels, Jesus does three things. He teaches, he proclaims, and he heals. Now, we could dig a lot deeper into each of those three things, but just note now that for Jesus, mission involves both word and action. So he tells people about God's good rule in the world and in their lives and calls on them to come under God's good rule. But he also demonstrates what that good rule looks like in action. Now, in this case, he heals people of disease and sickness. So it is both word and it's action. Mission is holistic, it involves both of those two things. We read on in verse 36, "'When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them.'" So as Jesus looks at the people who are gathered around him, his heart is moved and he has compassion on them. Now, the word that's used here for the compassion of Jesus is a very strong word. He has a a visceral reaction. He feels it in his guts. His his heart goes out to them. He can't help but respond with this feeling of compassion for the people. We get an insight here into the heart of Jesus, that the reason that Jesus is doing what he's doing, teaching them about God and uh, helping them and healing them, is driven by love, that he has compassion, a deep compassion for people. This shows us that Jesus is perfectly aligned here with his heavenly Father who sent him into the world. We read the famous words in John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that he sent his only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sends Jesus because of his love. Jesus feels love for the people around him. It is love that lies at the heart of mission compassion for people drives mission so let's just pause there and ask ourselves a question is this how we feel about the people around us are we driven by love and compassion for them do we look at the crowds do we look at our family our friends our schoolmates our work colleagues the people that we we live near and are our hearts so moved with love for them that we actually want to share the good news of Jesus with them and display it in our actions. You know, if I'm honest with myself, the, the answer to that a lot of the time is no. Uh, I mean, I like people. I want to help people when I see that there's a need. Uh, but I'm not sure it's as, as, as deep as, as what I see in Jesus here. Uh, he's so moved at such a, a powerful emotion. He sees people and he sees their, their utter need for God and it drives his actions and it drives his word. Uh, please, God, give me more of that heart. Give me more of the heart of Jesus uh, in my heart that I would feel the same way about people around me as Jesus felt about the people around him uh, and be driven by God's mission to reach out to them. So how might we actually develop that compassion, that heart? What might motivate it and what might strengthen it? Well, it's helpful to look at what motivated and strengthened Jesus' compassion here, because we get the answer to it in the second half of verse 36. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because, here's the reason, they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus had compassion because he could see that the people were in need. They were harassed and helpless. Uh, Those words speak about people being oppressed exhausted and lacking direction and Jesus fills it out with a with an image that would have been very familiar to his original audience that they are like sheep without a shepherd Uh, sheep are not particularly smart creatures Uh, they need a shepherd to lead them and guide them Uh, without a shepherd they're inclined to wander off and get lost and they're susceptible to be attacked by wild animals I'm not sure that the crowd would have loved being described as being uh, like sheep without a shepherd. It's not a very flattering image. Uh, We might not like the same description about us either. But in the Bible, this is often an image that is used where, where God is the shepherd and people are the sheep, that we actually need our loving creator's guidance and direction to do life well, to know where to go and to avoid the pitfalls that we can often fall into so jesus looks around at the crowd and he sees people who are in great need they're lost they're troubled uh, and they need guidance and direction and his heart goes out to them is that what you see when you look around at your family and friends Uh, Maybe you do see this. Maybe you see people all around you who are struggling, who are really doing it tough, uh, and life is a serious challenge. And so the parallel here with Jesus, seeing people harassed and helpless, sheep without a shepherd, rings really true for you. You see that really immediately. Particularly, I think, in light of the pandemic, we've seen more of this around us in our family and friends and neighbours uh, where once maybe we felt we were more masters of our own destiny, we could, uh, you know, do whatever we wanted to do and we had the power to do things. In the last few years, we've experienced a loss of control. We've been locked down and we've been unable to do a lot of the things that we thought we could just do at will. Some recent research by uh, McCrindle Research Company, an Australian company on Australians, has highlighted the impact of COVID-19, uh, which have been particularly negative for Australians. Uh, so grief at missing key life events, uh, funerals that we wanted to go to, or or, or weddings and other family s- celebrations that we just haven't been able to participate in in the same way. Uh, the financial pressures that have been placed on us and, and the huge mental health impact of the pandemic. Interestingly, in that, in that same research which highlighted these as particularly negative areas, there were two areas where people felt it had been more positive during the pandemic than negative, and that had been uh, relationships with our family uh, and also positive impact on spirituality, uh, broadly defined spirituality. That last one's interesting, isn't it? Um, so in the midst of this crisis, that has been happening. People have been looking for shepherding in the form of spirituality, reaching out for something deeper, more meaningful, something to give them a bit of direction amidst all of the challenges that we've been facing. So it may well be that the people around you uh, and your own experience has very much been of being harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. But maybe you don't see it so obviously um, in the people that are around you. And so there's a bit of a tension between what this passage talks about in what Jesus sees in the crowds around him and your own experience. Uh, Maybe your friends are quite content. They're they're well off. They're well adjusted. They're happy. Uh, They don't seem harassed and helpless at all. And there's no great need uh, for the good news of Jesus seemingly in terms of their outer circumstances. I think this is one of the things that we do need to wrestle with as we think about being on, on mission in an affluent society like ours where, on the whole, people present as being very self-sufficient. Um, people who have money can sort of buffer their circumstances a bit. They can protect themselves because they can sort of uh, use money to buy their way out of trouble at times. Uh, again, that's been... Pressured during the pandemic. It hasn't been as easy to just be self sufficient um, during the last few years. Um, But often people do have a veneer of having things together. Though there's often a lot more going on beneath the surface when you get to know people better and when they're willing to sort of take the mask off and and let you know what's really happening. Uh, I remember years ago visiting a young guy in his workplace. Uh, very successful lawyer on the career path, you know, and and moving fast up that ladder, Uh, married to a beautiful wife. They would be at church every Sunday, smiling and happy. Uh, And I caught up with him at his workplace, had a coffee. It was very, very uh, pleasant chat. And at the end, near the end of our time together, I said, is there anything that I can pray for you? And he paused and he hesitated And then he shared with me that actually they were really struggling to have children, something they desperately wanted to have, he and his wife, but they had been unable to conceive. And the tears flowed as we we sat in the cafe uh, at his workplace, uh, this deep grief and the strain that it was putting on the relationship. So often, although the surface may seem that people have it all together, So often there's something deeper going on where we actually need the good news of Jesus. We need God, the good shepherd, to speak into the different circumstances of our life. I mean, at the end of the day, people may not feel harassed and helpless and like they need God, the shepherd, but the reality is that we all do. God is our creator. God knows the best way to live. Uh, out of step and out of relationship with God, we are lost. And so the people around us, whether they seem like they've got it together or they don't, actually do need the good news of Jesus to speak into their life and to give them the fullness of life that he offers. So let me ask you to reflect about the people around you. How do they manifest this idea of being harassed and helpless? Is it obvious and acknowledged? Is it denied and hidden? Is it seemingly non-existent at all? And what are the things that the people around you are struggling with? Uh, Maybe it's the the fear of death, being aware of their own mortality and not really having any hope of what might come beyond the grave. Maybe it's uh, uncertainty due to the pandemic, uh, a loss of optimism about the future and what it holds? Will things actually get any better? Maybe it's a lack of direction in life, that there's there's just nothing bigger to strive for. People are stuck in a rut and they actually need that bigger vision of what God offers us for our lives. In each and every case, uh, the good news of Jesus offers us something, offers us direction, offers us help and the fullness of life In Jesus. So seeing the needs around us, knowing the truth of the gospel that Jesus offers something, uh, helps to move us to have compassion for people, knowing that they do in fact need Jesus. And so finally, what's the response to all of this? Well, in in the last two verses, Jesus changes his metaphor. He changes the image that he's been using. He's talked about sheep, sheep and shepherds. And now he talks about harvest fields and workers. And he tells us what the first step of mission is. Verse 37. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send workers out into his harvest field. So Jesus tells us the harvest is plentiful. There are lots of people in need and seeking after something more. But there's also a shortage of workers. There's not enough people to take this good news and to live it out in action amongst these people who are in need. So we've got a plentiful harvest and we've got not enough workers. So how do we solve that problem? Well, here's what I would say if I was Jesus. Well, that's a dangerous sentence, isn't it? But this is how I would how I would have said it. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, get out into the harvest, you lot, and share the good news about Jesus. But that's not what Jesus says, is it? Instead, he tells us to pray. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest therefore to send out workers into the harvest field. So the first step of mission is to pray. Before we do anything else, we pray, we talk to God, and we commit it to Him. Now it's a bit of a cliche, isn't it, that we should pray first, but it's very easy to forget. And if you're someone like me who's a real doer, an activist, uh, we, we just like, don't we, to, to get on with business, to, to get through the list of things that we want to do. And it's easy to not stop and pray first. But that's, that's a dumb move. That is a wrong move to make. I acknowledge that. Prayer must always be the first step. As Kirk reminded us last week, it's God's mission, not our mission Uh, And God is on mission and we need to line ourselves up with him and work with him in his mission. So if we act without praying, then we're liable to go out in the wrong direction. If we act without praying, we're likely to miss what God is actually doing. Uh, If we act without praying, we'll take the burden of the mission on our own shoulders and it will crush us. It's God's mission, not our mission Therefore, we've got to pray first. So the first step of mission is to pray. What should we pray for? Two things, I think, come out of this passage. Firstly, we should pray for a harvest. We should pray that people would be ready and open to hear the good news of Jesus. Uh, We can't convince people by our own uh, wisdom to become followers of Jesus, We can't argue them uh, into that position. We actually need God by his Holy Spirit to open people's hearts, to soften them, get them ready to hear the good news that we will speak and demonstrate to them. So we should be praying for our family, friends, schoolmates, work colleagues, neighbours, whoever. We should be praying that God by his Spirit would do that work, that he would make them aware of their need, Make them aware that there is a God who loves them and who has good news to share with them. Make them ready as a, as a harvest, ready for the workers to go to. It's difficult to do that, isn't it? Um, it's difficult to persist in those prayers because I know that for many of you, you have been praying that for family, uh, for friends, uh, for a long time and yet, The people you've been praying for don't necessarily show an openness. Um, Again, it's God's mission, not our mission. God's in control and his timing is not always the same as ours. Uh, All we can do is to pray and to keep loving people. Uh, That's what we are called to do. That is our responsibility, keeping on asking God to prepare people and to Bring these people who we do love to him. So I encourage you, if that's what you're doing, to keep persisting in those prayers, entrusting it to God, knowing that that is our responsibility to pray, but we cannot change those people in our own strength and power. But secondly, Jesus tells us that we should pray for workers to be raised up for the harvest field. Uh, We need people who will go and live out and share the good news of Jesus. And there's a variety of these type of workers who are needed. So we need people who will be cross-cultural workers, people who are willing to go to uh, a different place, learn a different language, learn different culture in order to take the good news of Jesus to them. Uh, An example of that is Chris and Julie Dean, who are mission partners with us through CMS, who are in Timor-Leste Uh, learning Tetan, a different language at the moment, so that they can be workers in the harvest field in Dili and Timor-Leste. We need people like that. But we also need people who will stay local within their own culture and their own language using, um, I guess, the relationships that already exist, the skills that we already have in language and culture in our own place, sharing and living the good news where we are. We need vocational Christian workers, people who will work in ministry as their focused job, Uh, pastors in churches, youth ministers, children's ministers, um, where that is the focus of what people spend their time on. Uh, People who will raise up the next generation of young people to be followers of Jesus and to work in his mission as well. But... We also need people who stay in the other work that they're doing or the other study that they're doing and who will live out their following of Jesus in that context and alongside people as they study and work uh, so that people can see what it looks like to act with integrity, to love those around you, to to speak truth with grace, uh, to take opportunities when they present themselves to speak of the hope that you have in Jesus, wherever you are. The harvest is plentiful, Jesus says, but the workers are few. Uh, We need lots of workers and we need different types of workers. We all need to be involved in God's harvest field and we need to pray for workers for the harvest field. So the encouragement here is, will you pray? Will you pray for this variety of workers? And I should say that if you do pray, this this praying comes with a warning, 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 if you pray like this. And the warning is this. If you pray for workers for the harvest, it might just be that you are the answer to that prayer. Something like that happens in this passage here that we have before us. Jesus says, ask the Lord of the harvest to send workers into the harvest field. Followers, ask for that. And then in the very next section, which we'll look at next week, Jesus commissions his disciples to go. So that if you pray, God, please send workers to Timor-Leste or to the local high school or whatever it might be, God might say, that's a great prayer. Have you thought about being one of those workers yourself? That as we pray and align ourselves with God and his mission, sometimes he taps us on the shoulder and says, would you be that worker? Would you go? Lots of challenges in this passage for mission, but it's exciting, isn't it, to be working alongside God in this way. To close off today, I'm going to pray a prayer, and it's the prayer of the Church Missionary Society, CMS, one of our mission partners. I've adapted it to make it uh, fit with our particular context, but it's a great prayer uh, which we can pray together. So let's pray. God of love, whose will it is that everyone should be saved, Bless everyone who has gone out as workers in your harvest field to preach, to teach, and to heal. Guard, guide, and use them. Raise up more workers in your worldwide church to pray and to work, to care and to understand, to give to you and to go for you, that your church may grow, your will be done, your kingdom come and your glory revealed through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, you can do so in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Just search for St. John's Diamond Creek.